This is the Educational Triage Podcast. Welcome. We invite you to come along with us on an exploration of interviews, issues, and other exciting and relevant topics in education, especially alternative education. They say alternative education is a laboratory for mainstream education. Why? Well, join us every week and listen in as Christy Goodell, Hello. Philip Summers, Aloha. and I, Tony Hunt, jump in feet first to discuss issues that may affect our classes, students, communities, as well as our teaching. Please subscribe if you enjoy and find relevance in what you experience here. And if you haven't left a quick review, please do. We appreciate your candor and insights so we can improve as we move forward. Now, let's see what's on board today. And welcome back to another episode of Educational Triage. I'm Tony. Uh, Christy and Philip are on a break. And so, let me tell you that today we're going to talk about the teacher shortage and what that means and possible solutions and or possible reasons. So if there are administrators who are listening, if you're listening, if you're not in education, um, there's. let's take a look at some of those. And if you'd like to argue with me, if you would like to take issue with some of the things that I have to say, then um, let me know and put it in the comments and or email me, educationaltriage at gmail.com. So here are the things that we would like to, or I would like to talk to you about, because this week I found myself pondering what topic we would cover, and I had planned on another episode, but that kind of fell through this week. It's still going to air, but the recording's been put off for a short time. So I sat down and I began to read once I realized that that wasn't going to happen. And I have been out of the loop, so to speak, for the past month for medical reasons. And it's been very difficult for me to read anything at any great length or concentrate very well because of the condition I was in. But that's improved quite a bit. And you can hear Autumn, who wants to be a part of the show, I guess. Um, and so one morning I picked up my copy of Education Week and I began to search for articles that could pique my interest. Um, and I recalled seeing an article that made me stop dead in my tracks too, but that was in the Hetchinger report, but I couldn't find it. And I don't know why. So anyway, that article though, as I thought and rolled that around inside my head, it kind of became my goal. And it stated that the reported teacher shortage wasn't as bad as they made it seem. Hmm. So I began to question just to see where that could take me, and it did take me down a path of discovery. So this journey reinforced what I had previously known, but had put everything in, aside in some dusty mental drawer and also reinforced some of the issues I had questions about. And I found information in many places that truly bolstered what I discovered, and so I'm putting as many resources in the show notes as I can for you to peruse or use or even target. 
So if you do disagree with me or if you disagree with some of the sources that I used, please let me know. And let's not disparage without giving me an argument, though, so that I can learn from you. So let's begin with a question. And my question is, what is a teacher? What is a teacher? I mean, think about it. A teacher can be anyone who helps others understand the how, the why, the where, the what for, and the when of a topic, skill, or anything else. In our educational systems around the world, we have people who are trained, school certificated, and documented to be those very teachers for our children. And they are a profession, just like an accountant, just like a banker, just like a consultant, like most very well-paid professions where they expect you to have a master's, where they expect you to have tons of training and tons of schooling. And we are documented to be these teachers. Teachers are a profession, which means that they are professionals and should be treated as such. But in most cases, though, this is perhaps the lowest paid profession in our country for the amount of training and trust that the populace gives it. Think about that. Think about how important they say education is and look at how little they pay teachers. But when people go into education, they know they're not going to make a fortune. I knew I wasn't going to make a ton of money when I went into teaching. And yet, there's a little bit in the back of my mind that would like to be paid something according to my worth. Because when you pay somebody, you're telling them what they're worth to you. When a community underpays their teachers, they tell those teachers, and this is psychological, but think about it, and it's also sociological, this is how much we think of you. I'm giving you my kids. And by golly, you better do what we tell you to do. But hey, we're, we're, we're not going to pay you very much. Think on that. So the argument has been made that if you were to pay a teacher $10 for each child for each hour of every day that they are in school, that a teacher would be pulling down approximately $29,025 every month. That's based on a 30-child class for four and a half hours a day out of six hours, because that's standard for most teachers. Or even, it would be even more if it were five out of six hours, because children are in the classroom for six hours a day. That's how long they're in school. Now, if you're willing to pay someone $10 an hour to watch your children and you're not willing to put them in a school to learn, to eat, to play, socialize, and understand the world, then are your children really that important to you? That means you would pay roughly $967.50 per month for your child to be taught. And many teachers do state that pay is one of the reasons they find themselves in an untenable position. They cannot afford to live where they work. They cannot afford to pay their student loans, pay rent, buy food, clothing, or sustain their family on the minuscule salary that they earn in many areas. And folks talk about how important teaching and schooling are. So, 
Comparing a teacher to a babysitter may be quite relevant, since many parents do believe they should have a say in everything in the classroom. And if their child demonstrates a lack of respect, then so be it. The teacher just needs to suck it up and take responsibility for what they did to cause that disrespect. There are many articles, videos, news stories, and anecdotes that back this up. The fact that teachers can be treated this way and their administrators refuse to back them and hold the children and parents accountable is withering and humiliating. Why continue in an occupation where you're treated as less than a sewage rat and paid much less than others around you? The coronavirus pandemic played a huge role in where we are today. Teachers scrambled to put together what they could for their students in a very short time period, and they worked hard, long hours to do that. They put their families to the side while caring for their own and putting their jobs ahead of them. They had very little downtime, while districts chimed in with newsletters, meetings, called optional, but if you didn't attend, you had very little idea of what was going on, and requests that seemed relentless. They were burning out. Nobody was checking in with them. Nobody was helping them. They were just expected to bite the bullet and to move on. And over their summer break, many districts kept up with the weekly optional meetings, which did little more than reinforce fear and that teachers needed to be ready for a full year of online classes, which meant get all your classes ready for online before classes began once again. And no, you were not paid for that time. So summer break? <laughs> And then, and taking it back to where we are, I went and I began to read more articles on the teacher shortages. And I realized that this is nothing new. Perhaps the rationales given were changing, but I saw shortages as an issue in 1992, issues in 2002, 2010, 2014, pre-pandemic. But now it would appear that there is a 50% drop in enrollments for those wanting to enter the profession. Now, that's where it's gotten to. Enrollments for teacher education programs has been going downhill. While this may seem alarming, nobody's wanted to do anything about that in the past. They found different ways to get you know, to try to have more minorities come into the program um, to get them their certificated. But why would anybody want to go into such a profession? It doesn't seem that parents really uh, hold teachers up there that much, do they? In the past over a decade, I can't remember how many years it's been, there's been a 13% growth in teaching jobs. Administrative positions, though, have seen a 75% growth. 13% and 75%. How could that be? This is very curious. This was something I was questioning over the past five years because I saw the district where I worked 
transform itself from a sleek, streamlined administration where people knew each other. We were, we were a family. People cared about each other. People talked. Things happened. And things got done. Now, it's become a bloated administration. It's so bloated that, in fact, if you walked into the administrative offices, which are now at least 20 times size the original building, which was built out of three portables when I first started at that district in 1994, I transferred him from another job. You can barely walk through their offices because they have shoved so many cubicles, desks, and people and offices in there, and they're continuing to grow. In fact, they were, re they were requesting teachers who wanted to go into administration to come to them so they could put them in a program so they could bring them into the administration. Curious? Very so why would you, if there's a teacher shortage, why would you be calling more people to go into administration rather than people to be in teaching? And it's obvious because administrators cost so much more than a teacher does that the district dollars are not going into the classroom. There are more school building administrators None of that, none of those monies go to the teachers or to the children. Explain that to me. So if we're talking, where's all of our education money going to? Let's take a look at administration. Let's take a look at why we need to have so many administrators. What has truly changed and has education become better because of it? I'm going to ask you another thing. What other important profession or profession of distinction that we value has districts proposing building dormitories for their staff so they can live close to campus and afford to live so that they don't have to drive one to two hours in order to get to work because they have to live far away? Seriously? What is the rent for this dormitory? And what are the other prices that they need to pay if the teacher lives on site? Does this mean that they have no excuse for not taking on extra duties as a part of the lease? What about a personal life? What about paying people what they're worth? So that they can live nearer to their school. Now, I'm one person who doesn't live in my district simply because I live close enough that I still bump into people, but I don't want to be there so that people can come knocking on my door. I lived somewhere out of this country where my students lived all over the city, but still they would come to my house and they would bang on my door and they would say, I need help with these things. Well, do you know what it's like to have a private life? And you have students who are, or even family members um, of those students who feel that they have a right to come knocking on your door. I, 
appreciated my students very much. I really did like my students. But I also wanted to have some privacy. <laughs> so I told them next time they needed a call because I wasn't going to answer the door if they came by like that. And surprisingly, they listened. And that's what they did. I had great students. They were fantastic. Some of the parents were, eh. But, you know, all in all, they were fantastic. However, you're treating teachers as though they are, let's say, teenagers that have to be cared for and looked after. Well, that may not be a bad thing, except that they are adults who have the same amount, maybe if not more education than most of the people around them. Most of the teachers have more common sense, more knowledge, more experience than most of the administrators around them. Just because somebody is an administrator doesn't mean that they understand anything. Just because they're a nice person. Now, there are the same, I mean, sure, there are a lot of teachers who got into the profession and, well, they're a minority. Those that really shouldn't be. But administrators, I have met more than my fair share of administrators who really shouldn't be administrators. They gaslight. They do not support teachers. In fact, they look at it as it's a caste system. So they have no problems shoving people into what they would call their lanes. And that's another reason why teachers are leaving, because they have lost their autonomy. I know my stuff in alternative ed. I know how to work with my students. I know how to do that. And for the most part, they allow me to do what I need to do but when I'm running other programs, for example, a high school completion program or credit recovery program, and I'm not finding that the math programs that they're shoving at me actually help the students learn the math program that they should be learning because it follows a traditional component, whereas the math classes that the students aren't passing because they're not understanding the concepts. So I give them a backup of those concepts, and I have an administrator who comes to me and tells me to shut it down or else they're going to put me, they're going to write me up. So we have to have a meeting. And in that meeting, I ask them why they don't value the students, and they get a little testy with me. And I said, if you're going to get testy with me, I'm going to give it right back to you. I have nothing to lose. Do you really care about the students and what they're learning, or is this a power trip? Because what you want the kids to learn has nothing to do with what they're learning in the classroom. They are going through all kinds of concepts in there that will not be taught in that program. And we have worked hard to match what is in that classroom to what the kids are learning. Because we want the kids to be able to re-enter the classroom and understand what it is that they are doing in the mainstream. I won. And yet that administrator kept dogging me and dogging me and dogging me. And they went after other people too for no real reason. I mean, it was just bold-faced. I need to prove myself and I need to show people that you do what I tell you to do. There is something wrong with these people. 
And unfortunately, this was an administrator who I had worked very closely with, and we had done all kinds of work together. We had gone looking for math programs to try to figure out what would be the best ones to serve. We had spent hours going to meetings, going to lectures, going in and reviewing and talking about these things. And then once they became an administrator, it was like all that work was for naught. And then I was told, mind. And I'm thinking, I have been in my position, and I have been in administrative positions as well. I know my stuff. I know how to teach this. While I don't know everything about alternative ed, while I don't know everything about education, I mean, I don't think anybody does. There are some people who are more schooled in some aspects of it than I. I do know what I know but I am still open to learning. But don't come to me with something that is absolutely against children and against their learning and against their success. So that also has something to do, aside from the autonomy, because they began to yank autonomy, you needed to clear everything with them or you were going to face problems. And sure, they wanted, they wanted you to fall into line as long as you were falling into line and you did what they told you to do. Along the times that they constantly interrupted what was supposed to be a learning time and they continued to pile more and more and more on you so that your learning, the time in the, in the classroom, wasn't always able to be spent teaching the material that the kids needed. And they're saying right now that we have a 20-year loss because of the scores. Students have lost nine months of learning is basically what happened, a full school year of learning. I know students who refused to come back to school because their parents didn't push them. Their parents allowed them to play video games the entire time. And when the kids came back, they really had a hard time adjusting. And many of those students didn't want to come back and they didn't. And the parents are saying, well, I don't know what to do with my kid because they don't want to come back to school. I blame the parents, but I can also blame the schools in some port because the student, the, the school should be open and it should be a great place for kids to go. But there are so many different aspects or so many different particles of anything that might be there. So you can't judge except for the parents aren't taking on the role that they should be, which is to encourage their students to learn, to go to the school and to be a parent rather than try to be nice to the kids constantly. But that's something else. All right. So where is the respect from the community? Community loves to talk. Administrators love to talk. Watch what they do. Just watch what they do. Pay attention to what they're doing. It doesn't matter if they seem really nice. Watch what they do. I don't listen to people. I watch them. I can listen to them a little bit, but I'm pretty good at judging people. And I'm not saying a lot that I like. I don't know why. 
So parents, I'm up front with parents and I let them know I've, I've had my share of parents who are angry, but that's because I held them accountable and I was holding their child accountable. And if they want to yell at me, that's fine. They can yell at me. They can come in, but I will have my backup because my interest is in that student growing. Now, in two or three weeks, we're going to have, I believe, sometime within the next month or so, we're going to have um, an episode on grit um, using the book from by Angela Duckworth. And we're going to go over um, what is grit and how can we develop grit in the alternative ed classroom. And I think that's something that we really do need to teach because I don't believe that many students are getting that at home. And I think that some students do, but why can't we have that going overall, right? So let's all, let's also look at, because we've talked about pay, respect, autonomy. Um, another thing on autonomy, if you notice that administrators are starting to take the lead in everything, our building was one of the leaders in RTI. And we had EBIS, effective behavior. Um, and we had a great group of people that we worked with. It didn't always work perfectly. But out of EBIS, we had some really good programs that were developed. We had some really good practices that came from that. And that was from a collection of teachers, administrators, and counselors. That was all taken away. And that one administrator that I mentioned earlier decided that they needed to take the lead on it and that they would dictate what we were going to do. And did we like it or not? And usually it was tepid, but people said, yeah, that's good, simply because they're yes people. I took myself out of there because there was no reason for me to be there. There was nothing that was ever solved. So they took away the EBIS that the building and the district was known for, that they helped develop. Because when I first came to that building, um, there were there were people doing a documentary on it, and they came in, and um, they went through, and they did all this work on it. And I was brand new to it. So, and I was also a part of it without being any of the wiser. However, that taking away responsibilities and input was huge. And administrators, and I'm talking to other people from other districts from around the country who say the same thing, that that is a problem because their voices are lost. They are counted as nothing. So autonomy, having a voice, being able to do what it is that you need to do in order to do your job, and not having this constant barrage of extra things that you need to do, because many of those things most good teachers do do. So, what would be the benefit to 
of having a four-day work week? Would there be learning loss? That's my first question. The second one is, is there going to be something of um, more burnout? Because now you have to, if it's a 10-hour day, four days a week for you, or is it a 10-hour day for the students? That's four hours a day more for all the students. We do an eight-hour day, so that would be two hours more for us. So that would mean that the students would have an eight-hour day. Are you prepared for that? Would you be prepared for that to have a three-hour day? Or is it just sort of shoving things off for the same results? My question is learning loss. My question is student burnout. My question is, yeah, the question is all of those things because will there be? How much can a teacher teach in a day? And then possibly, how are you going to have extra duties? So how does that manipulate the time? I mean, what about kids that have volleyball, basketball, football, skiing, everything else that they need to get out of school for because they have practice? How are we going to do that with drama? How are you going to do that with the music programs and the art programs? Everything that needs to be in there, how do we take care of that? To me, it's a logistical nightmare, and I don't think it really solves anything. They claim that it's going to save money. I don't see how it saves any money anywhere. On building use? No, people just, nature abhors a vacuum, so people are just going to start using it. So my question or something to you is, what are the solutions? What are solutions that will make people revved up about their positions, especially in alternative education, because alternative education, we get a lot of kids who really don't like school. We have kids who are falling way behind. We have to deal with each one of those students. So every one of our students has an individual education plan, but we can't call it that because that's special ed. And we do have a lot of special ed kids who come to us, whether appropriately or not. Now, in the states that have the disciplinary alternative education, which I disagree with completely because why are you trying to make education a negative thing? We want kids to learn. We want to create lifelong learners. It doesn't happen if you are authoritarian. It doesn't happen if you crack a whip and tell them to do it because they won't want to. Who will want to? Who will want to teach in an authoritarian placement where there's no joy? But I do know that there are some incredible teachers out there who do provide joy. And they bring that joy to their students, no matter the situation. There's some people who are just so gifted. And there are times I feel like one of those. But there are also times when I feel like I've fallen short and that I just can't because, well, I'm human, as you all are. So what can we do about many of these things? 
I think one, hold your unions accountable. Two, go in a group and hold your administrators accountable. Start demanding your start demanding your autonomy back. Start demanding that you have a voice. And don't take crumbs. Go for the cake. Go for the loaf of bread. Go for the whole fruit tree. I had to say fruit tree because everything else was just carbs and sugar. So think about how much power you have because you do have power. You can do it respectfully. And if they still say no, well, think about what your options are as a group, not individually. I'm not saying commit Harry Carry. I'm saying start using your power, start using your talents, start using your numbers to work towards a solution. Every one of you has a different placement. Every one of you has a different area of need. Start thinking about what those are. Empower yourself. Work with each other and empower yourself. Because the teacher shortage is real. And we're seeing more and more of that this year. I heard the number of over 600,000 this year, or it was at 600,000. But there are districts that have thousands of teaching positions still open. Teachers are being asked to go into cafeterias and manage different classes. So here's what they think is going to happen. I heard this from one of the sources. Because they have more administrators, and they're encouraging more administrators, they're not really looking at teachers. They're they're ripping all of our autonomy away, and they're not really willing to pay us enough. Look at the corporations that are buying into education. Look at the computer platforms. They can take the place of teachers. Teachers can monitor students in a class that's dealing with math and help them out with that math. Teachers will be paraprofessionals. All the teaching will be done online by a computer. What do you need a lot of teachers for? You have the teaching going on. So that's one way to solve the teaching shortage. And if you have more administrators, well, you're just lining your pot with more people who make a lot more money. And does that sound a bit corrupt? I'll make that a rhetorical question. Does it sound wrong? Rhetorical again. So I hate to leave you on such a sad note. There is hope because you're listening, you're thinking, maybe you're shaking your head, maybe you think I'm full of caca, but deep down inside, you know that some of these issues actually do exist. So start thinking about that. Start thinking about what can you do, or just start looking around and start talking to people and figuring things out. How do we solve these problems that teachers are having nationwide? Actually, it's not nationwide. In Australia, they're having the same issue. In the UK, they're having the same issue. They're having this issue in a lot of other countries, not just in the English-speaking ones. So why? How has this become so global? Another question, right? So I'm going to leave that on a note where I would love to hear your solutions from this. Email me educationaltriage at gmail.com 
or leave your questions in the comments section. Uh, make sure you subscribe because coming up, we are going to have some really great episodes. Uh, we are going to be talking about the book Grit by Angela Duckworth and applying that to alternative education. We have an episode coming up that is a conversation between two states, Oregon and Washington, and how different they are in dealing with alternative ed, dealing with the funding, etc., and their definitions and how programs work. Also with their organizations and their programs. We also have a program coming up on funding equity where I will be talking to a program and it's a private contract program that is contracted with the public schools who use their numbers but yet treat them as a private program so that affects funding in so many different ways so that'll be interesting as well we also have coming up the National Alternative Education Association conference and I'll have that also in the footnotes um, in the show notes that will be the in the third week of October in St. Louis. It's fantastic. And the keynote speaker this year will be Dr. Letitia Woodley. If you don't know who she is, look her up. She is incredible. She wrote the book Transforming Alternative Education. It's a it's a great read. It will bolster you. It will make you feel fantastic. And if you can, you might also want to see where you might be able to find some other resources. Um, their website at the-naea.org. They have resources there. You can find your state organization where you should be able to find um, some resources. I know that here in Oregon, we are developing our organization, so it's not on there yet. We hope to have that going pretty soon. And um, yeah, so do, do check back in, subscribe and leave us some messages and some feedback and re give us a review. Love to hear from you. Would love to hear your comments on what we talked about today. And until next week, see you then.